Welcome to Norm, a Cheers podcast. You're co-hosting a weekly discussion of the television show Cheers, which aired on NBC from 1982 to 1993. We're your hosts, Marlene Stimmy and Andy Blaker. How's it going, Andy? Hey, Marlene. I'm good. How are you? I am doing well. I am excited that we are doing our season four roundup and superlatives episode, although it's kind of you know surprising that we are already at the end of four seasons already. We're just Keep ticking by, yeah, you know? we do. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to leap right in to our first category, which is going to be favorite teasers. And if you don't mind, I am going to let you go first. And we can go in, if, you, if yours are in any particular order, we can do that. Or if they're just, you know, any order, that's fine too. But I was going to say we could do uh, reverse, like, you know, three, two, one or whatever. Okay. If you want to. Um, yeah, I, I've got four that um, stand okay. out as my favorites. So um, I hadn't really ranked them, but I can do that real quickly here because um, I think I know which one stands out to me as number one. So, okay. <laughs> all right, I'll go ahead and get started. Um, the first one would be the teaser from Someday My Prince Will Come. This is when um, we, we have the everyone in the bar does the wave. They're watching a game yes. on TV. Diane is talking to a couple at the table talking about... Um, Oh, gosh, I'm trying to remember all the words she uses. But she's just kind of talking about, you might wonder why I work here and how this mm-hmm. is the, you know, the the, the ambi- ambiance of the place and everything. And and um, the, you might wonder why I'm working with the proletariat, I think she says. <laughs> oh, right, the lumpen proletariat. <laughs> the lumpen, that. yeah, exactly. Um, so, and then she does the wave with everyone. And they kind of look at her like, what's your deal? And she's like, well, you know, you've got to you know, when in Rome kind of thing. So uh-huh. I just, I thought this was a fun one. Um, there's the, there's a, we, we've referenced this many times on the show. It might become a running gag with me, but there's a, a woman extra in this show who is mm-hmm. a blonde, older woman. And she is in so many episodes. Um, and she's not to this point get, been given any lines. We don't have a name or anything for her. Um, but she's, sometimes like introduced in situations in the bar outside the bar she's just used all the time and she's in this scene and she looks like she's never been to this bar before when in reality she's been here for a couple seasons now so yeah. i just love how they plug her in and and think we're not supposed to notice it or something but anyway I love how she did the wave too it's kind of like she starts to like doesn't know yeah. what she's doing and she kind of throws <laughs> it, her hands up a it was bit. a very half-assed attempt she's just like Ugh, you know? yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I, was, I like that one yeah um, well, if you don't mind, I will add to that because I have a whole, and just, you know, spoiler alert for a future category, we have favorite random moments and I have a literary category. And this actually was one of the things I had mentioned in that. So I'll cross this off by, of that list by saying that there's a part when Diane tells her customers, um, it's when the guys are making comments about the cheerleaders while they're watching a game on TV. Mm-hmm. And they're making specific comments about the cheerleaders and so forth. And I think she tells her customers, like, this language supplies the rich texture that distinguished Fitzgerald's work. Yes, <laughs> you <know>? yes, exactly. <laughs> As yeah. she's going on. So that's you now I can take that off my list when we get there. But that's, that's funny. I like that one a lot, too. Yeah. Okay. So one of mine is Norm singing with the barbershop quartet and the mm. teaser for Dark Imaginings. So we have this barbershop quartet that comes in and they're arguing over a competition and who hit the wrong note in the competition. And the bass, they discover it was the bass and he promptly quits. And so Norm tells them, you know, that it's always been his dream to be in a barbershop quartet. And so they give him a try and they sing Goodnight Ladies. And the guys are so excited they found themselves a new bass. And Norm says that he's flattered, but this was, you know, his... um, 
Like they're saying it's his lifelong dream. He's like, well, it was, and now I've done it. Thanks for the memories. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> but I like all of that. I like the singing. I like that Norm had a dream and fulfilled it and moved on. I just think it's kind of a fun little little opener and character part for Norm. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, my next one would be the uh, teaser from Diane Chambers' Day. This is we're introduced mm. to Corinne, who is a relief waitress that uh, Woody met, I think, at like a truck stop or something. Uh-huh. Um, and, and she kind of has that she has that 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 truck stop waitress outfit kind of demeanor. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you know, very you know that whole kind of blue collar, uh, you yeah, know, I know what you're truck about. stop demeanor and everything. But very good at, at the job. You know, she'll yeah. get the job done. And she's like, oh, you know, look at the size of this place. My my dogs will be barking tonight and, yeah. and and i remember thinking this was someone that i kind of would like to see in future episodes so yeah. I, I i liked that how she was kind of just introduced there not not seen again or anything but mm-hmm. i like that and woody then, was the one that hired her as well you know I think exactly that's kind of funny yep exactly and then she has a good little uh interaction with norm because she used to work at the hungry heifer mm-hmm. and then she has a brief little uh run-in with al who who <laughs> You know, it's where you get the fox. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a good one. I really like her, too. And she's somebody that's like, you know, wouldn't be part of the bar all the time, but you could see her existing in that world, I think. Right. Like, just bring her her in as a sub or something. I feel Mm -hmm. like she would pair off real well with Carla. Oh, yeah. I could see that for sure. Definitely. So my second one is um, Carla dancing to the song that Sam's playing on the jukebox in Mm -hmm. the teaser to suspicion so carla is having trouble remembering an order she's talking about the troubles that she's having in life at that time sick kids no sleep double shift and so forth and sam says it calls for drastic measures and he plays g6 and carla's like oh no not g6 you know and sam puts a coin in the jukebox and carla kind of starts dancing in front of her table like just by lifting one shoulder and then her whole body starts moving and she's twirling around the bar and she's dancing with norm and twirling with Sam and then she just yanks the power cord out of the jukebox and goes back to being sullen but I thought that was a a fun little bit for her I like that so it's another musical one yeah that was actually my number one teaser if I was to to pick number one I I, that one's just so much fun my only complaint is is I wish it had been a little longer Mm -hmm. like I was just I I thoroughly enjoyed it I thought it was fun I liked how everyone was watching her and she just like lost herself in that moment and I I enjoyed that yeah that is a great one uh, so my other teaser then, my runner-up to that would be from I'll Gladly Pay You Tuesday. This is mm-hmm. the one where all the men have forced themselves into the men's restroom and, you know, to fit, to see how many can, can fit in there. And then obviously they can't get out. Yeah. Uh, Norm's, I think, the last one in through the door and, and they can't open the door. And it, it was just one of those that it seems like a real kind of slice of life moment that you would you would expect like, to f- have them do that in the bar that would be right. their idea of fun you know mm-hmm. like somebody who would just say like oh yeah i know like what if we did this and then they would get to talking about it and then they try it out yeah it's almost it's funny because it's almost something you'd expect like you know elementary school boys to do something like that <laughs> yeah, right i mean that true. would be something they would do and here you are doing it so i i enjoyed that that is that is a good one and wasn't it like woody counting himself twice that threw them off the record yeah, I something think so. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's yeah, right. I've forgotten about that one. That one really is fun. <laughs> My number one teaser, and this is probably going to be a theme throughout this entire episode, but it is from um, Diane's Nightmare. It's when they're playing the word game. And it's really just because of the words, I think. Um, and that Cliff is inventing words to 
win these games, which becomes apparent as they go on. So they start by um, Sam telling Carla Diane was like up late studying for exams, and she's catching a few winks in the office. And then Carla has this line about how Diane can't, couldn't catch winks if she walked naked through a troop train, and so forth. So there's this general banter in the bar. Um, and in the meantime, Cliff is putting these words together that include flirk, furred, and snarf. And he's making up basically like this sounds like their little technical postal expression, you know, or terminology that nobody else would get, like a flirk holding a little flag on the mailbox. And Woody is just dumbfounded that Cliff always wins. And um, what is it? Cliff tells Woody to be tenacious like the great horned murn. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's that word, <laughs> the great horn right. mirror. And Woody says he just missed winning last time by a cat's pluck. So I just, I like this idea. I mentioned this probably five times when we recorded that particular episode, but I like that there's this vocabulary of words that Cliff has invented that he's using. Yes. Um, and you just wonder like when else this is going on. So I just love that one. Yeah, that was a fun one. Any others? Those are the the four that I could think of, but you know, okay. it's like you said, it's 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 always so hard to go back and remember all of them and really mm-hmm. whittle down that list of which ones were most enjoyable because so many of them usually are just one offs that aren't connected to the rest of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I love how they have done teasers so far because again, you can have a great teaser and it doesn't have to have anything to do with the rest of the episode, yeah. but it can still be such a memorable part of it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, well, we're going to move on to best or favorite guest characters. I had, I'm not going to say I had trouble with this, but I know that there are some bigger performances that I think that I left out because I went more so, I think, for some, um, not necessarily smaller ones, but maybe like not the most, you know, culturally memorable, I guess. Mm. Um, but my, f- well, I don't even really have them in an order, but my, one of mine <laughs> is Candy in the second time around. Um, played by Jennifer Tilly, yes. and I, I I liked her. I think that she played a character that could have just been really unappealing, really well. I liked her interactions with the other people in the bar. Of course, Frasier is the main person that she's connected to in the episode, but her interactions with Sam and just kind of the bubbly friendship she has with Sam. And I particularly liked the conversation that she has with Carla when Carla tells her, like, you know, you're not so stupid, and she's like, thank you, Carla, <laughs> and then says. The, Carlos says the thing about like Frazier would make a good husband because he won't cheat on you. And even if he does, who cares? And she's like, that's kind of sweet or so, you know, just her reactions to everybody, I think, um, are really genuinely innocent, but yet she's sort of wise in her, in her way. (laughs) Um, so I don't know. I thought she did a really good job with that character and it's sort of the episode working around her worked well because of that. Oh, absolutely. She's on my list. Um, for for one of my favorite guest stars too because i i think she made that episode she really did Mm -hmm. she did so well in it and like you said you know she could have easily been someone that fell flat she could have been a very unlikable character you could have gone any number of ways with that and instead you she comes off extremely charming i thought um yes and and yeah i i really enjoyed her work in that episode yeah i did too do you have another one or is that one of yours as well she's one of mine um i will go ahead and throw out um i I felt like in terms of most memorable turns um this season guest stars it Mm -hmm. really was it really fell to to the females um Mm -hmm. i'm gonna put forth um we have the first appearance here of bb newerth as uh, lilith and uh, a very memorable introduction i will say so i'm putting her in here um even though i think Looking back, 
And again, I, I don't know too much of what we get with Lilith, other than the fact that I know she will be obviously become a regular or recurring in, in future years. But um, she got a very, very um, sharp introduction here, you know, and, and I mm-hmm. think she came off a little too intense, a little too cartoony, maybe, you know, she has such yeah. she has that voice. Um, and I, I know they, they tone it down in, in future episodes, but. I will say I think it it wasn't the most perfect introduction in terms of, you know, continuity of character, but in terms of just how frigid, stuck-up academic, you know, she is. I mean, she played uh-huh. that excellently. So I, I enjoyed it because it seemed like someone who, you know, you could really have a lot of fun with as a character. And, and again, we don't know at the time if, if they would be bringing her back. And right. obviously she had a, an impact on it. Um, so I, I really enjoyed her in this, and I'm looking forward to seeing what more we get with her. I think that's a good choice. I didn't yeah. really think about putting her on there just because I guess I think more of her in the future, in the larger right. role that she plays and so forth. Um, yeah, but I, I think you're right. Just in terms of the introduction she got, it's not necessarily indicative of who she beco- exactly who she becomes as a character. And I think she's used more as, I don't know if foil is the right word, but just kind of a a prompt for Fraser's character more than anything about herself in this particular mm-hmm. appearance. But she's still, even though it's a little sharp, she still, I think that's a good job and it's funny. Oh, yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. Definitely sets the stage like for her to come back. My, my second one then I guess is going to be in the middle of the three and there, it's going to be two and it's, we're going back again to Diane's nightmare. <laughs> um, it's Andy, Andy and Cynthia. So that couple, Andy, Andy and his fiance and Diane, it's Nightmare, played yeah. by Derek McGrath and Nancy Cartwright. I think they have just great lines, great delivery, great interactions with the other with the Cheers characters, and then just a great setup for jokes. Um, there's the part when Andy Andy says he's talking about Cynthia and how wonderful she is, and you know their life and so forth. And he says like, "There's only one problem," and then Norm says, "You killed her." <laughs> it's just that Andy Andy's earnestness, like. Is like this little balloon that Norm just punctures with his comment. You know, I thought it was a perfect setup. Mm-hmm. And then Cynthia just being so oblivious to everything in the bar. She's like, Andy, I really love your bar. And she's going on and on about how he just give the man just gives and gives, you know. <laughs> I just thought they did a, a good job. They're kind of, I mean, talk about cartoony. They are kind of cartoony characters, but I thought that they were really, really fun and just added a, a good element to that episode you know i mean it's a little surreal anyway so i think that they fit in in that regard as well mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely i will nominate the actor robert simmons and francis mm-hmm. bay they played mr and mrs brubaker in take oh, my shirt yes. please they're the clients that norm uh is is unsuccessfully trying to impress in order to get get a job there and they, they yes. just play the ultimate dullards you know and and um I, I again, it's a minor turn, but I really enjoyed what they brought to that role. Yeah, the dairy couple, right? Was it? Yes, the yes, the dairy couple. The, yeah, mm-hmm. that becomes and, enchanted by Cliff. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Norm. You know. You know. Norm typically a more of an affable kind of guy, and Cliff's the one who who's able to finally charm them. And I, right. I, I really liked how they they played. Um, that couple with mm-hmm. with you know coming into this bar and they so obviously don't want to be there and I thought they just played a real good 
a good, good dullard couple, as I said. Yeah, they, that's a great point. I'm glad that you brought them up because I do think that's one of those. It's a smaller story, you know, so it's not one that would, I don't, in my opinion, be like a standout if you're looking at the sort of like luminary aspects of the season. But they really right. do a great job and make it a very funny story, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, my... What I'm going to say is my number one is going to be Stuart Sorensen in Someday My Prince Will Come. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he on his own is hilarious, but I think that he's the right person in that role. I think it's a great episode. And it's mostly, or if not entirely, conversation. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just so well written. I think he's also like the perfect foil for Diane as an opposite of Sam. So I, I thought that that was interesting as well. It's like showing things about Diane that would never come up and her interactions with Sam because of who Sam is, but it's showing them, you know, through his character. And he does become very, like, genuinely charming throughout the episode. And there are a lot of, you know, sort of unkind things said that he's not aware of, but, you know, because of his appearance and so forth, like, that are, I mean, quite frankly, very funny. <laughs> you know, so I, I don't know. I just, I thought that the actor, Frank Dent, did a good job playing that character. I thought that, again, I mean, it's more just the interaction with Diane because he has some of the qualities that Diane either has or wishes she had, but they're sort of genuine in him, you know, and he'll comment on like, oh, hell, I'm pretentious, you know, but he just right. seems like a neat guy despite that. So I just, I thought he, I thought that character was well-placed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I like what you said there about how, you know, it, it doesn't have to be a standout role, right? You don't have to get all the laughs. You don't, but you play the part perfectly. You know, mm-hmm. you contrast real well with the characters and, and in a way, I think, I think it, there's something to be said for guest stars who don't necessarily stand out immediately, you know, in the way we think of it. Like, oh, they got all the great laughs. They had the they great lines. They were the a scene, phenomenal right. character. Right. They don't have to steal the scene in order to be a good star. They played the role well. It was believable. It was, you know, realistic. That's, mm-hmm. there's something to be said for that as well. Yeah. So. Um, I will put forth Kate Mulgrew mm-hmm. um, as Janet Eldridge in the three-part finale episode, Strange Bedfellows. Obviously a great actress um, mm-hmm. from all the work she's in, but I thought she I thought she played a very, very savvy politician without necessarily a, being a real smarmy politician. You know, I mean, she yes. I, she seemed very honest. She seemed earnest. Mm-hmm. Um, but she also had this, you know, this finesse about her with, with people, how she interacted with them and, and, right. and answered questions. You know, she did spin real well. So she was kind of this this master politician and yet it was not in a way that felt fake or phony I guess um and I think she had depth to her that I don't think got expressed as fully as it could in some of these episodes because in Mm -hmm. a way she's kind of cast as the foil right I mean we're setting up the triangle for sure right right yeah yeah so I, I just thought there was so much, and, and part of it is because she is in three episodes, and that's more episodes than most guest stars get, to be fair. Yeah. But you really got to flesh out some of her, and um, I, I really enjoyed her turn here. Yeah, I think she's interesting, too, because I think she she's genuine, but she's genuine in being a politician. And I think her character is, I think her character is kind of difficult to understand, particularly, mm-hmm. you know, just seeing her for three episodes on a TV show. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. There's like probably more to her, but what right. we got, I thought it, it wasn't easy, but I think that was probably good for the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like one of those performances yeah. where you, you feel like there's so much going on 
that's not necessarily brought to the scene, right? Like there's right. there's a backstory, there's a history, and and that really came off as like, like this this three four dimensional character. Even if you don't get to know all about them, it feels like she really inhabited that character well. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good point. Is anybody else that you wanted to mention? Honorable mention category. I I've been thinking over. I I I feel like those are the standout ones. I guess mm-hmm. I would I would throw in um, even though it could be argued that his role was kind of a non-speaking role. <laughs> oh, I know who's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I would put forth. Um, oh, and I don't have the actor's name. He played Lucas in. Yep. Um, uh, what episode was that? It's Cliffy's big score. Cliffy's big score. That's right. Um, yep. But um, that one was was a, a really good turn because he just inhabited this oh, this, this deadhead hippie. You know, you kind mm-hmm. of felt like you knew everything you needed to know about him from the time he appeared. And again, he didn't really speak. He just kind of mumbled. But, you know, he was so enjoyable. And the way everyone played off of him as well yes. with it being yeah. so nonverbal was was pretty, pretty impressive. I, I think I had him on my list of considerations for best guest actor. And then I, when I narrowed it down, I took him off. But I put him on my extremely long list of the favorite random moments. So I'll just cover that here. Because what I said was that there was a discussion around Cliff's postal friend, Lucas. Because he really, it's kind of not exactly. It's like a mumbling part, not a speaking part. But like Norm looks amused when Lucas comes in with Cliff. And then Diane remarks that Lucas looks like he's been around a mushroom or two. <laughs> <laughs> and then this guy is just standing there. You know, Lucas is just kind of standing there like a just perfect hippie the whole time. And then Carla asks, like, Lucas mumbles something to her, mumbles a greeting to her, and she asks what he said. And Norm says, I can't believe it matters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's all of these things. Yep. Um, yep. And then there's a line Carla had about being an evening with the stick, the nerd, and door number three. So he definitely um, was right for that role. Mm-hmm. Timothy yeah. Scott. That's the actor, Timothy okay, okay. Scott. No. Yeah, that was fun. All right. Well, we are going to move on to um, one of the big categories, the worst or least favorite episode. Mm. Do you want me to go first? Sure. Okay. My third least favorite is Fear is My Co-Pilot. And this is the episode when Diane's former, I'm not even going to say boyfriend, kind of a love interest or paramour that she met in Europe after she um, broke up with Frasier and with whom she enjoyed these days of debauchery, apparently. He comes to Cheers to entice Diane back into this adventurous life, and he gets Diane and Sam in his airplane and then fakes his own death and kind of makes Sam and Diane consider their regrets and their lives and so forth while they think that death is imminent. Yeah. So I just... There, there are parts of it in the bar. Like When we discussed this episode, it seemed to me that the parts that were the most fun were the quips in the bar. Some of them, you know, from Frasier and about Diane's relationship with Frasier and then just like everybody reacting to Jack when he was, remember he was like hugging and picking them all up and then Norm held out his arms and he shakes Norm's hand. Like some of that stuff, you know, was funny. Mm-hmm. Um, the airplane part wasn't bad. It's just, it, it felt kind of formula to me and I just wasn't moved by it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, just, it just didn't stand out. And I, you know, it's not one that I would that I could say that I would just really enjoy watching throughout the entire thing. Right. Right. I, I can certainly, that was kind of a middle of the road kind of episode with me. I, I, mm-hmm. I liked aspects of it, but yeah, overall, for whatever reason, I just kind of was like, mm, I don't know. I was right. left wanting more at the end of that. Yeah. Um, so let's see here. This would be least favorite basically. Right. Mm-hmm. If we had to rank all of them, I would say um, mine would be the groom wore clearasil. Okay. 
Um, and, and again, you know, I can't say a bad episode for any of these, but I just remember I, I, I never felt interested really in the plot, never felt invested in it. Okay. Um, this is when um, uh, Carla's son, Anthony, is wanting to get married. Um, mm-hmm. it, it just, I don't know, really. I don't have a good way to explain what it was about it. It just did not click for me. It felt really kind of phoned in in terms of of i guess the plot mm. of it all and everything mm-hmm. um that was the biggest comment i had i just didn't become interested in the plot or the characters or anything there is a random moment in this episode that that will make it for one of my favorite moments from the season um but looking overall yeah. as an episode it just it wasn't one that i felt you know did a lot okay yeah, I can see that too. I also have a favorite moment from the season from this episode, but it is not related to the main plot line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of, I mean, going back to Fear is My Co-Pilot, it's more like I didn't care for that main plot line. So, mm-hmm. you know, right. it was sort of, and nothing else was so great to overwhelm that. So I get that with the Grim work clear. So I can totally see that. And part on that too, I want to say another part of the episode, um, and this is a theme we have throughout, throughout this one, but I never really took with, Cliff's whole obsession with garden vegetables that look like presidents mm, and famous people. I, right. It just felt like, what what are we getting at here? And and this one, they kind of hand that up. This was when he had the, he has a potato that he says looks like Nixon. Yeah. Um, that had that moment too with Diane um, trying to get a part-time position at a local university. And it was right. just, it was almost farcical and kind of cringy. Um, mm-hmm. It just had moments that, you know, it had good moments, but when you threw them all together, it, it was it was kind of plotting for me. So my second least favorite episode is The Barstoolie. Mm. And this is the episode when Cliff is visited by his long-lost father, who basically walked out on him and his mother, Cliff's mother, when Cliff was a child. Mm-hmm. And Cliff, you know, he's initially very reluctant, and then all of a sudden very embracing of his father being a part of his life. Um there's not, as I recall, there was not a lot of in-between. There wasn't like a really development period of the relationship or anything like that. It was just kind of like hot and cold. And Mm -hmm. then the father reveals that he's going to be a fugitive from the law, you know, it's some kind of like financial scheme, which was also just a sudden development, you know. So it just jerks you along. Um, I didn't really find that believable. It doesn't have to be perfectly believable, but like something, you know, at least believable to have a character that would be like that. And I didn't get that from it. Um, and then the rest of the episode was Sam dating this woman that has more of a rapport with Diane than with him, this lady named Claudia. Mm-hmm. And there were some funny parts to that. Like they went to the, the Indian restaurant and Sam yes. had asked to have a table for two and then somebody seated far away and he ended up being the one seated far away. And the reveal <laughs> of that, as I recall, was funny, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, when you learn that Sam's the one that had to sit by himself. Um, but the rest of that was like just Sam's kind of smarmy comments to Claudia. Um, it just, you know, the whole point is that Diane thinks that Claudia is a substitute for her. And they really did mostly that part of the episode and then the Cliff's father part of the episode. So it just didn't seem like the stories wove well in the episode either. I just didn't, you know, like I said, there were little parts that I liked, but I didn't think that it was, there's anything about it to yeah. be too enthused about overall. And it's not, a, yeah, it's not a very particularly memorable episode. I kind of struggled yeah. to remember certain aspects of right. it. Um, I definitely you have two kind of that. cold characters or characters that don't really fit in at the bar either, like both mm-hmm. Claudia and Cliff's father, you know, and they, they are, you know, both out by the end, but still it's just it didn't do anything for me. Yeah. 
I can see that. Um, my next pick for a bottom, the bottom three would be uh, Too Good to Be For Real. Oh, yeah. I think the biggest reason why this wasn't the most, for me, enjoyable was the, the behavior of the guys, you know, basically scheming against Carla. You know, they, they put in a fake ad and make up this airline pilot. And mm-hmm. it, it first off, the fact that she would go along with it, that she'd fall for that, seemed a little far-fetched given how street smart she is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then just their behavior that, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, it's pretty mean. I mean, it, it's a joke. It's a prank. But quickly escalates to something beyond that and so just the whole thing i don't know it, it didn't hmm. it didn't feel like it would be an authentic the characters didn't feel like that would be really how they would act in a situation like that if they would even end up in that situation does that make any sense like like carla getting, yeah. you know getting conned like that and the guys doing that it you know, I didn't and, think and, it was just mean spirited, but I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, and then also we had that damn mime in that episode yeah. too, and I, <laughs> I can't, I can't do, my, I don't enjoy mimes, I don't enjoy clowns, and yeah. and I felt like in this it just was some, he was just annoying, and I get that was the point, I get that right. was the point, but it was annoying to watch it. I didn't, I didn't laugh. I thought it was like, oh, he just needs to get out of here. So you felt like Sam felt probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, you were definitely, I definitely identified with that. So yeah, overall, it's just one of those where again, I kind of like, oh, all right, here we go. (laughs) I did have one of my like random, I think funny moments from that episode. And it was part of the discussion of mimes before the mime ever shows up. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I also have another moment of a comment Woody makes that I thought was funny too, but we'll get to that. So my number one least favorite episode, and this is by a country mile, is Love Thy Neighbor. It's the one. So, so this episode would be the one, basically the least li- that you like the entire least season. Favorite. Okay. Like, okay. Right. So they're probably gotcha. like, they're, I definitely had least favorites. This is interesting because I, I mean, I had like three that I could pick. Like I, not like. It, with increasing dislike, like I, they're in definite places, but Love Thy Neighbor is really the one that I'm like, this is my n- number one least hmm. favorite episode. Nothing else would <laughs> come mm-hmm. closer be considered. Mm-hmm. Whereas all the other ones I could, you know, like maybe switch them around or like you would mention things from your least favorites. I'm like, I could kind of see that, but like, no, this is my least favorite. <laughs> and it's a norm episode too, which I tend to like, but this one just makes me tense. I don't like it. Mm. Um, there are aspects of Norm toward the end that I like okay, but overall, it's the one when Norm and Vera um, have been socializing with their next-door neighbors, and the wife suspects that her husband is having an affair with Vera, Norm's wife. Mm-hmm. And so they hire the private eye, Carla's cousin, um, to investigate, and it turns out that they're not having an affair. But in the meantime, this woman kind of like propositions Norm wanting to have an affair with him, and she's just really nasty about it when he turns her down, and the t- her behavior through the entire episode just put me on edge and made me really dislike her. So, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I the whole episode just, yeah, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. The fu- I mean, the, the private eye that's Carla's cousin, Santo, was a fun character. I think we talked about that when we discussed the episode. Like, he was really good, I think, but the episode as a whole I don't like. The other part of the episode is this interview that Sam has done on the radio with Dave Richards, and he described Diane as one of his love bunnies and she gets upset and so he has to read this retraction and an apology on the radio and that did not add to my liking of the episode either like, there wasn't enough in that to be like oh yeah but I really like the supplementary story you know so mm-hmm. it just it leaves me with a bad feeling yeah yeah 
I remember our coverage of that, and I kind of remember, you know, getting the impression that it was just wasn't one that really did anything big for you. You know, like no. it was just, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, and then just to clarify, um, because I apparently can't do numbers very well. Um, <laughs> I, I, these aren't mine. My picks are not necessarily ranked. I can't say one or the other is my least yeah, favorite. Yeah, that's or whatever. fine. These I just happen just... to with these least favorites have right. them have a definite order that I prefer or don't prefer. Right. Um, so the to round out a bottom three pick for me would be um, Save the Last Dance for me. Oh, um, interesting. Okay. Now it's not. It, it was, I'll be honest, it was between this and the bar stoolie. Um, not, okay. again, not as worse of the season, but just another one. Um, but this one, it, it just, it felt very dull. Like, even, and you know, I, I had high expectations given that we'd seen Carla's dance scene previously in, in the teaser. Right. Um, but this one, and I know you might think it's because of, of, of Nick and, and Loretta, right. I know. But. <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> like them and i do <laughs> well okay in measured the, doses yeah the character of nick I, he has uh, growing on me i still find him just so scuzzy and whatever mm-hmm. but um no it just felt it, it it felt a little a little dull i mean basically you have that carla and nick used to dance on a show that's basically like american bandstand was back mm-hmm. in the day the boston poppers is i think is what's called and they're having a reunion dance off um it, and, you know, you ba- that's basically the whole plot of it. You know, she's supposed to go with this other guy. He falls down the stairs. We don't even meet him. And then, yeah. you know, they're doing this dance thing and everything. There's some good moments in here. Um, but it just, it didn't feel very engaging to me. It, it kind of, I remember okay. watching it thinking, okay, you know, we're just, we're watching it. There weren't as many great lines to me and jokes and everything. Um, yeah, just kind of fell flat for me. Okay. I, that, that's interesting. I I really like it, but I think there are just certain things about it that I like. Like I just really like the dance sequence when they're dancing to the old fashioned music and doing the mm-hmm. like the bop to the east, bop to the west part. I think that's right. fun. Um, and then I'll go ahead and like spoil one of my woody comments that I had that I thought was really funny is when Carla is talking about how she and Nick used to dance on this show. And that was before they had to get married. And what he's like, boy, they have really tough dance laws. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So, but I can see that. I mean, why you don't like it? I happen to like it more, but I can I can see it, you know, as in terms of the plotting and so forth. Mm-hmm. All right. And did you, any others? I didn't know. I really, I had a hard time like, I, coming up with the third one. Mm-hmm. The first one was obvious. The second one, I was kind of like, okay, well, that fits with the mm-hmm. bar And then the... Here's my co-pilot. I was like, well, I don't hate it or anything, but it has no. to go on there. And I really could not think of others that I was like, that would belong on a least favorite list. Whereas yeah, my favorites, this... there were several that I could have put on there. I feel so. like this season up to this point is has been the hardest to, to, to pick top and bottom because, and we'll get into this later with themes, but this episode, the season, and this could be a pro and a con, depending on how you feel about it. They do mm-hmm. so many different types of episodes in this season. Yeah. Um, I feel like they really cast a pretty wide net, which for the most part works really well. And I mm-hmm. think that means, you know, you get something out of all the different kinds of episodes. You know, you have some some episodes that are a little bit more experimental, like Diane's Nightmare, Suspicion, mm-hmm. you know, and then you have some of the more tried and true, you know, kind of formulaic episodes. And looking over the IMDb ratings here, I mean, most episodes have really high ratings. Um, Well, as a general rule, it's true for for most episodes of Cheers, period, but uh, this season as well. So Mm -hmm. it is harder to pick some of the bottom three, and I think ultimately it just comes down to what clicked for you or what didn't click for you, because I I, I don't think you can find many that you can say are objectively bad. 
Um, I can't think of an objectively bad episode of this show up to this point at all. It's mm-hmm. simply just a matter of what episodes, you know, what the writing or the character, something with it did not gel for you as an right. individual. And that's what, you know, you that's what you end up picking. So No, I, I agree. I agree. Um, so we the next thing we were going to go through is favorite random moments. And yes. in keeping with the title, like mine are kind of random <laughs> and many, many of them. Yeah. Do you want to go first? I'll kick it off. Right. Yeah. So this was one that I nominated in my bottom three from episode four, The Groom Wore Clearasil. Mm-hmm. Um, someone calls the bar. Um, this is in the midst of, I think, Sam trying to talk to Carla's son, Anthony, trying to talk him out of this idea of, you know, getting married and all that. Mm -hmm. Um, And someone calls in what he calls out. uh, Someone's looking for the outlaw of love. And (laughs) Al at the end of the bar pipes up. She tracked me down. Oh, remember that one? Yeah, that was that was enjoyable. It was just Mm -hmm. random, obviously. Mm -hmm. But um, it got some laughs and then it kind of gets picked up a few beats later when um, he, he says, you know, I think he's talking to either Woody or Sam. I can't remember. And he said, I owe you one. Right, right, right. For taking it right. Just right. that image of him as the outlaw of love. And I just, you know, I love Al. So that, that's yeah, right. a thing that's clearly emerged over the season. So I do have an Al one on here. And then I have one from that episode <laughs> as well. It's Fraser is complaining about about Diane misusing a sh- like or misapplying a show. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's criticizing Diane's inaccuracy, and he's basically just criticizing her in general, like her use of grammar and diction and whatnot. But he's criticizing her specifically in quoting Schopenhauer, and Al says, "I thought I'd have a conniption." Because Fra- yeah. <laughs> Fraser is like, "Can you believe this?" And it's Al, I thought mm-hmm. I'd have a conniption. Yes, that, that was, was great. That was great. Um, <laughs> And so I would just say in the groom more clear so I don't love Cliff's vegetable obsession necessarily, but I sometimes like the reactions to it because I think Norm gets a few good lines in this one when he's Cliff starts with this potato that's supposed to be, as he describes it, the spitting image of Richard, Richard Milhouse Nixon. And Norm kind of chuckles to himself and Cliff's like, you find this amusing? And Norm's like, no, Cliff, I find it historically significant. <laughs> <laughs> and then the part at the end when Cliff has this potato on a Ken doll and he has it behind a podium with the seal of the president of the United States. And Norm like kind of nods to Sam, like, I'm going to take care of this and goes over and tells him he's gone completely off the deep end. He's like, I want you to look at what you've done and think about this. <laughs> right. To him. So I thought that that was a good moment in mm-hmm. an otherwise probably overly absurd storyline. That was a funny moment. Um, from episode nine, from beer to eternity. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is where everyone is at the bowling alley in the competition and uh, Norm, you know, isn't really a bowler. He decides to go into the bar. Yeah. And all you see is the door with, with a, like this handmade bar sign or something on it. And he enters it and the door shuts and you hear Norm, you know, and everyone kind of does a double take. Yeah. And, and I, think it's, um, I think it's Cliff that says... I can't remember the exact Sam line, asks, how, how did they, they know yes. him here? Or something like that. And Cliff's like, well, he has a life outside of Cheers or something. Yeah. He has a yeah. life, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. So I enjoyed yeah. that little that little moment. Uh, yeah. That actually was on my list as well. That was a good one. That was definitely a good one. I liked from the Peterson Principle, the side story of the slideshow that Fraser and Diane are going to show to the Cheers gang of their yes. European trip. Because Fraser has these leftover slides. And... 
they proceed to the back, set up a projector, and he's going through, and they're all, like, it's supposed to be various attractions that they had seen throughout, primarily Italy. Mm -hmm. And it's all Diane in every picture, in front of whatever the thing is, and then some of them are just Diane. And then Fraser gets into this negative downward spiral of like Diane oh she's you know you can see the changing of the guard in her glasses which hide her eyes yeah which hide her emotions <laughs> <laughs> like here she yes. is at the where were they like at the like, I don't remember if it was when they were in France like the sand track like try you know before she's planning to um abandon me or whatever it was but just like his increasing description of her betrayal throughout this entire slideshow was really fun as they're all that. like eating popcorn and just like trying to enjoy like a fun slideshow and Fraser is having this psychological meltdown. I absolutely agree. I that was on my list as well. Just the whole visual of of everyone sitting down or standing mm-hmm. around watching the slideshow. You have Norm and Cliff together on the couch up front and you know everyone's just like, "All right, this is what we're going to do," you know, and yeah. and um I, I just, and, and then yes, Fraser was was what made that so enjoyable and and Diane's reactions off of him and it just it was a great great moment great yeah. scene i should say and i enjoyed the fact that it was it was a longer you know they fleshed it out yeah yeah and i would think that would be fun to film too with everybody back there oh yeah yeah well throw in a couple others of yours because i don't i only have a couple more so oh, dear. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's another fraser one it's from relief bartender when fraser is at first criticizing the sort of you know pathetic men that have to cling together you know, he's talking about the Caribou Lodge that Sam has booked into Cheers, and it's just these three guys that come in. It's the entire lodge. And basically, like, the uniformity of these people and how they're not individuals and, the, you know, all of this about them being in this Caribou Lodge. And he says, as Dr. Bennett Ludlow once said, I will speak no thought but mine own. <laughs> I love the irony of that. I thought that was right. great. And then later on, just in passing, as Sam runs out from the office to get Woody, you see Fraser like, take, like accepting the bylaws to join the lodge. So all of that about Fraser and the Caribou Lodge, I thought was, I mean, it's very brief, but I like that mm-hmm. a lot, yeah. a whole lot. Um, this one's really, it's, it's just pleasant. It's in I'll Gladly Pay, Pay You Tuesday, Diane asks Norm if he's familiar with the Farthing for Your Thoughts bookstore. And Norm says he's dallied there betimes. <laughs> like sure that. he has, right? Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if you have this one, because we talked about it during the episode. The opera scene in Diane Chambers' day. Hmm. When they're all at the opera and Cliff wheel, like, she asks if they need opera glasses and Cliff, like, pulls out the big binoculars. Yeah. <laughs> they're all commenting and Norm cracks open the beer. <laughs> and then just the pan across all of them at the end of the act when they all have fallen asleep including diane thought that was a lot of fun that was a great one i didn't actually have that written down but that was that was a very good moment Mm -hmm. and then the other ones i have are sort of like in this kind of literary subcategory so Mm. oh well please do share because you know i love Mm -hmm. me some literary (laughs) okay i really there there are three that i think are great there are a few others that were good (laughs) i like when Sam is reading, this is a Doug Gladly pay you Tuesday, Sam is, has the title of the book that Diane has purchased, or he has the book, you know, because she's going to give it to him, essentially, until she can pay, pay mm-hmm. him back. And he looks at it, and he's like, it is a book, and he reads the title, <laughs> The Sun Also Rises, and he says, boy, that's real profound. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love that. Yes, that was great. I love it. <laughs> um, 
The second one is from the first part of Strange Bedfellows when Diane is just exuberant that she came up with this. And Fraser's wearing the hat that says, Win with Jim. Mm. Diane is exuberant that she's come up with this cam- campaign slogan. And she's like, it's very Joycean. And Carla says, if that means stupid, I agree. <laughs> it's yes. just such a different... Mm-hmm. The way it, Carla was just great with the comebacks in that episode. <laughs> and just going from something being very Joycean to saying, if that means stupid, I thought that was brilliant. Right. And then my favorite one, which kind of goes along with my all my favorites so far in the season, is from Diane's Nightmare when Sam asks... Diane, do you realize that you just ended that proposition with a preposition? <laughs> <laughs> that might be my favorite thing anyone has ever said. Right. So. Oh, man. I love I love the literary... Well, and we'll get to this when we talk about favorite episodes. Not, um, no spoiler. But um, mm-hmm. I do enjoy the, the literary references that, you know, um, even some of the more obscure references and the way they wedge those in with the other characters. And they rarely mm-hmm. disappoint. Even when I don't get them, they don't disappoint. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> think there's there's something going on there right right i don't have to understand it all to appreciate it (laughs) yeah um let's see okay um this one well okay this is from episode 20 save the last dance for me uh nick and diane have a little exchange when nick and loretta come into the bar and nick goes over to her hello sweet cakes you've been thinking about me (laughs) diane responds only during flea and tick season i (laughs) just (laughs) When you look at that man, flea and tick comes mm-hmm. to mind, and I thought that was the most that that just captured it perfectly for me. Yeah, I love that. It. Is pretty funny. That was a good exchange. Yeah. Any uh, others? Well, yeah, I've got. Uh, let's see here. Uh, this is very random, but um, Woody has a line in episode thirteen: "Take my shirt, please." Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't even remember the exact context, except they're talking about some. They're talking about meatballs. Someone doesn't know the difference between a meatball and something else. Well, <laughs> you like probably a, remember well, it better than I. Do. It was a meatball. Oh my gosh! It was, it was something to do with the. It was with Sam's shirt and the guy that comes in at the end that purchased it and doesn't really want it. He wouldn't know the difference between. It wasn't a baseball and a meatball, but it was something like that. Yeah, yeah, it was something like that. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, you wouldn't know the difference between a be- baseball, meatball, whatever it was. And Woody pipes up, whoa, catch me having spaghetti at his house. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I, it was, it's the line, but it's also his delivery of it. Again, that the whoa, you know, yeah. like he just is, is honestly like he's taken by over. what the guy says. Yeah. Yes, he's bowled over. Exactly. <laughs> so I really enjoyed that line. Yeah. yeah. Um. Did you have others? Because I have a, actually have a whole like little Woody section since this is our first season with him. Let's segue into him then, because I he's okay. definitely worthy of an entire segment. I'd yeah. say, <laughs> right? Because I do like I want to discuss when we discuss like the themes and different aspects of the season. You know, Woody's introduction is probably the most major part of it. But just to give a little nod to what he brought, humor for most part, humor wise, yeah. uh, some of the ones that we haven't discussed yet. <laughs> I'm already laughing. Um, Someday my prince will come. There's the clock joke. Woody's asking Diane to get Stuart to do the great trick for him, the one that Sam described, where he makes the clock stop just by looking at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and halfway through Woody's question, Sam realizes what Woody's about to say and throws a towel at him. But it's just the timing of that. Because Woody's yeah. so innocent and in saying like, he thinks it's a real trick, you know. Right. Um, and then I had in Too Good to Be For Real, the episode when the guys... Um, you know, they like we, that was one of your least favorite ones with the letter that mm-hmm. they wrote, um, pretending to be this international pilot. 
And a real person had actually written to Carla. His name was Vinnie Clausen. And Carla, at some point, had said something about, like, if it weren't for Mitch, I might have, you know, a few weeks ago or something, I might have agreed to go out with that weasel mm-hmm. Vinnie Clausen. Or somebody said something like that weasel Vinnie Clausen. Mm-hmm. And so they're talking about that. And later in the episode, Vinnie Clausen comes in. And Woody greets him, like, in a really friendly manner and then says, like, you don't look like a weasel. Yeah. <laughs> directly to him. Yeah, that was good. That was good. That was good. Yep. Another one, I'll just go through. If you have any, pop right in. But sure. If you have them written down. I liked it. It was Don Juan as hell. Woody is doing the sports trivia contest, and he can't stop. He just keeps reciting all of the sports trivia, and they're like, okay, that's good, Woody. He's like, good, Woody. Elmer, good, Woody. And they're just dragging him away as uh-huh. he is still reciting trivia. I thought that was fun. Right. I love in Fools and Their Money the conversation between Woody and Diane when – she says that she wants to speak metaphorically, and he's like, you need money for the language lessons. And then he goes on about his mom's dream was to be um, a drummer in a power trio. <laughs> you know? And that entire conversation is just so good. And then the scene in the office when he and Sam sing Home on the Range. It's really sweet. Oh, yeah. 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 In Suspicion, Diane is called upon to recite poetry for this like public access show. And she thinks it's a trick that they've played on her. And Woody asks what kind of poetry Diane's going to recite. And Diane comments, look, kind of looks at him and says, like, oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. <laughs> and Woody says, I hate to burst your bubble, but I've heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> and then after she does the whole ode to a Cornish hen where she's clucking and carrying on, thinking that it's fake, and they're watching it on TV and she's humiliated, um, and they're trying to kind of comfort her. And Woody's like, heck no, I've known chickens who can't do that as well as you can. <laughs> it's just, and it's the timing of it too, you know, it's just great. So. Yeah. Um, and Strange Bedfellows Part 2, when Frazier brings Jim Fleener in after he lost the election. And Woody says something about the guy doesn't know that it's Jim Fleener, he's never met him. And he's like, oh, you look like Jim Fleener. And Woody, or Frazier is kind of shaking his head. And so Woody thinks that Frazier means that it's not Jim Fleener. Whereas mm-hmm. Fraser, of course, is meaning, like, don't bring it up. Yeah. And yeah. Woody's like, did that Fleener guy take a shellacking or what? <laughs> He's just, like, chortling to himself, you know. Mm-hmm. I just have a couple others. It's the second episode of the season, Woody goes belly up, when he's talking to Beth, his girlfriend, and Sam and Diane at dinner. And he says, I've been thinking what the janitor at Cheer said about sublimation. And he's talking about Fraser. And I just love that he really believed that Fraser was the janitor because that's when Fraser was trying to kind of mortify himself I think by taking on these menial tasks and so forth but just referring to him as the janitor at Cheers I like that a lot um and then this is more along the lines of discussion of him you know in the season but I like that his very bright-eyed introduction that he's just so and you know amazed by being at Cheers like this is amazing any comments on the red wine and white wine glasses and high-grade Nagahod stool, school stool covers um, the brass rail, and he's just getting giddier and giddier, you know, mm-hmm. talking about like a big, big city bartender with a joke at the ready, and then he's genuinely emotional hearing that coaches died. So I just, I really think that they brought him in in a, in a great way, you know. They really did. Kind of full force pen, right from the mm-hmm, beginning. Pen pals and everything, and I, yeah. I, I don't know of a specific line, but in that first episode when he's introduced, you know, he's just so, he's like just in awe of the bar it's like oh it's a real bar you know we've got this right. this railing he's just so like awestruck with it all mm-hmm. and he's just like at home immediately right right in the big city and he just 
yeah, yeah. he's just kind of this small town bartender or you know farmer boy but his, I just I really think they did a great job with his introduction mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. did you have any other thoughts like on moving Woody in and I guess kind of moving coach out you know mm-hmm. yeah and I, I think we talked about this in the in the season opener a little bit yeah, um, because you know that they he comes in and and Sam just mentions that you know coaches died we don't have any real reason about what happened what the cause was anything like that but I guess and I think this is something you pointed out you know in the context of it you know he Nicholas Colasanto became ill during production of the third season he was in some episodes and then toward the later half of the season he wasn't in most of those or he had just a real brief appearance so I I think everybody fans of the show viewers kind of knew that right that would have been in the news and everything so on reconsidering this idea you know instead of saying oh coach you know passed away from this or or the worst thing I think they could have done would have would have made him like injured and you know killed in some sort of freak accident or you know a weird way and make it into some stupid plot line or something because you know there's been plenty shows that have done something like that um Mm -hmm. so so the fact that it was just briefly acknowledged um and then it was acknowledged a couple other times hinted at alluded to um elsewhere Mm -hmm. in other episodes which i liked i i do like how they did it because what can you really say right he's passed away there's been a few months have gone by you know, and this is kind of what it is. So I don't know. I'm kind of of two minds on that because in a way you almost want to know more information. You want to have more of a send off for him because it Mm -hmm. feels like that's what you're supposed to do. But they just respectfully, you know, addressed it. It was very quietly written off. And then they just allude to him as a character when appropriate Mm -hmm. going forward. So, yeah. you know, in terms of how they brought Woody in, I like that they tied him in as a as a pen pal of Coach. I liked that a lot. Right. Um, and the fact that he, in many ways, just fills that Coach role. He's Coach, but younger, right? I mean, in terms of, mm-hmm. of, of just his humor and, and everything about him. So I really like how, I really like the character of Woody. And I, he's just that innocent boy from Indiana, right? You know, mm-hmm. and, and they play on that a lot, but I think it works really well for him. I do too. I think it was, I mean, he's his own character, but it's, and it's sort of a, I think a bold introduction. Oh yeah. But then at the same time, that connection to coach makes it a sympathetic way to bring him in as well. Yeah. In my opinion. I think that it's interesting too, because he is sort of coach, but younger, but at the same time, coach is, you know, his humor sometimes is befuddled and Woody's is, but it's kind of naive at the same time. So he's, you know, no longer on the farm. He's now in Boston. So he can't remain completely naive, mm-hmm. you know. So you have a character that's going to be able to change versus one that has already gone through life and has kind of developed who he's going to be. So I think that that presents an interesting difference going forward as well. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, I just, I, I thought he was great. I think that Coach, there's almost like a warmer sense of humor to Coach or warmer humor, you know. And with Woody, I feel like it's more creative or just things I wouldn't expect. So just yeah, different. they well they are because Coach in a way is like a father figure, right? Mm-hmm. He's like the beloved grandfather, father, whatever. Woody's too young to be that way, of course. But yeah, so yeah, that's a good point too. It's you know they're they're definitely not the same. I mean, it's not like let's just make you know let's replace Coach with the younger version of himself. Yeah, they did a good job. Making but him they fill that role. Enough. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. 
So I, I thought the transition went really well. It's a strong introduction, really. I mean, you know, the fact that we have a whole segment about some great one-liners and jokes from him, and he this is right. his first season, you know, says a lot about him as a character, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, just in terms of the of the writing for him, the, the comedy material that the writers gave him. Um, he's given a lot of a lot of room to really stand out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um I think that this is a good segue into another theme that I see in season four, which is Sam's aging. Because we've seen in previous seasons Sam having to deal with his, you know, his loss of fame or becoming more of just sort of like a a normal citizen rather than this kind of semi-famous ball player, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and some things around that. But I think that this is the first season, and it's with Woody's introduction, that Sam is really kind of thinking about getting older. So even see when Woody comes in, like he jumps over the bar, like Sam tells him to come around behind the bar and Woody just leaps over the bar and Sam kind of has this look on his face, you know? Mm -hmm. And there are a couple other times when something like that happens, like Woody's carrying something or Woody's talking about the popular music of the day and Sam only knows the older tunes that Woody's never heard of, you know, that kind of thing. Um, And that's an interesting part of Sam too, as we go forward through the series, not to spoil it, but he's kind of in some ways old fashioned, I think. You know, he doesn't necessarily keep up with the popular tunes of the times and things like that, which is mm-hmm. interesting to me. But I think that that comes out more in this season than before. And we even have um, that episode, Dark Imaginings, that, that deals more with him f- being physically not the same person that he had been when he was, you know, in his athletic prime, let's say. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think that that was something that came about more so in this season. I definitely agree. You have dark imaginings. You also have take my shirt, please, where yeah. he's you know, facing the idea that, you know, he kind of had him had an image of himself as this beloved baseball player that a lot of people know. And then, you know, mm-hmm. nobody wants to bid on his shirt and he's kind of just has a reckoning yeah. with that. So, yeah, no, that is definitely a theme of not just aging, like you said, but also the, you know, just transition away from mm-hmm. celebrityhood, if you can call it that, to being just a regular guy that can't really yeah. play that card as much anymore so and you also have don juan as hell when he's kind not expecting to be but by diane's paper at the end is confronted with this idea that his life has been sort of mm-hmm. a little bit frivolous you know right all the women that he's chased and so forth i think that that was something and then um along those lines what janet eldridge says to him in that last episode of the season about how he can't keep all of his options open, you know? Mm-hmm. So definitely mm-hmm. like this idea that he, maybe he needs to be moving on in his life. And I think in a way, and I'm just, just now formulating this when, when we're talking about it, but you know, when you consider the arc of, of that over the season, and then the fact that it ends up on the cliffhanger that it does with him calling and proposing to somebody, mm-hmm. it's like, Oh, he's making a decisive decision. He's not, like you said, he's not keeping his options open anymore. He's just making the decision. Right. Perhaps a bit rash. We'll have to see what happens in season five. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but you know, it, the idea that in that moment he's like, Oh, you know, after what's happened, you know, yeah, I am just going to take a chance here and, and settle down and commit right. to someone. And, yeah. Another thing that I thought about was Frazier is changing. Um, he's definitely more angst-ridden. Or maybe it's differently angst-ridden because he certainly had this kind of like, I don't even know what you would call it, like sort of like high-energy angst maybe in season three mm-hmm. where he was trying to be sunny and upbeat and he was kind of nerdy and so forth. But everything was just kind of this, 
you know, even his humor was was like that. I can't think of any examples, sadly, but he's definitely become more sarcastic in this season. He's become more a part of the bar rather than a guest of Diane. We saw a little bit of that last season, but now that's, you know, kind of why he's there. Right. He's right. still pining after her, so that's part of it, too. Yeah. But he, you know, is a part of the bar mm-hmm. and becomes, you know, even more so going forward. But I think that this is the change, starting the change in his personality when he becomes more of kind of a, a sardonic character, mm-hmm. commenting on the goings on at the bar as much as he is a character that's there having a relationship with somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And and I will say with, with Frazier overall at this season, he... <sighs> It's a little confusing in parts because it's almost in a way I felt like they're not quite sure what to do with him because he's not in mm. every episode. He's right. not at this point, I guess, technically a regular or whatever. He's in the majority of them. But at, at one point, you know, he's they, they kind of refer to him as, as having a drinking problem. Um, he's not going right. into work or whatever. And then that suddenly seems to turn around rather quickly. Um, but then he gets almost increasingly bitter toward Diane as the season goes on. Mm-hmm. And you would think it would be the season opener when, you know, he's back and she's in in Europe still and everything. You'd think, oh, that's going to be the height of his bitterness. But it kind of just, he, he hangs on to it a long, long time. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and so it, it's... I don't know. In a way, I wonder if they... Well, he pulls the gun on Sam at that beginning. Well, yeah. of the, I mean, I t- completely right. forget about that by the end of the season, but that's right. how it starts. Right. It's like they just... I don't know. So. Like, like they, they do a lot of different things with him, which in a way, I guess, is, you know, good. But it does mm-hmm. kind of feel to me like, what are we going to do with him? How are we going to include him in here? Yeah. You know, and, and mm-hmm. he is much more sarcastic, which, as I understand it, you know, kind of becomes more like what we know of his character in years going forward and from Frasier, the spinoff mm-hmm. and all that. But um, they just, they really go all over the map with him in this season. I feel like, you know, so yeah. um, mm-hmm. that's a good point. He's just very, you know, goes from, from one extreme to the other in terms of his relationship with Diane and, and his feelings toward her yeah. and, and everything like that. That's true. Cause at some points he's saying something about how they're irrepressible zanies and then, you know, another time he's just picking on her grammar oh, yeah. and diction. And, right. It's all you know, over the place. Like, it. like one day he's yeah. like, oh, you know, we can be friendly, move on. The next day it's like, you know, he's just right. up and down. Which I guess in a way, I mean, mm. I'm not saying that wouldn't be like real life. But in terms of a character arc, it does kind of seem a little all over the place. It does. I, I like the type of character I think that he's becoming, though. <laughs> you know, probably because he's becoming, starting to become more of the mm-hmm. ensemble. And I like that sarcastic sure. side better than the... The, whatever you would call that what he was before there was so it's interesting it's a, there it's was cool. one and i should have brought this up probably for a random i think it's a teaser episode i can't remember what it's from but um uh so oh gosh uh woody is talking about how oh man it's almost five o'clock almost six o'clock someone guy comes in and he just talks and talks and talks oh, and, right. and fraser yes. basically you know i'm probably i might be confusing too i'm not sure but basically they Frazier um, recognizes that they think that about him, that he just goes on and on and comes in and you know what I'm, yeah. Oh yeah, because he's like, oh, this, the poor person that's such and such and when somebody does that, you just have to get up and walk yes, away. Yes, yeah. Isn't that it? It's a, and then they all do and he's like, hey, yeah. and he realizes And he's like, it, oh, you, you know, what yeah. does he call them? He, he's he's flattered. It's like yes, Mary you marry Band, band. or yeah, Mary, exactly. something you like marry that. Band. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's very flattered because he feels like he's being included and that was a fun moment. Right. Yeah. By being dead, exactly. being included. Exactly. Yeah. 
the other one, the other aspect of season four that I, I thought of that makes me appreciate it more is that I think that Diane is a little bit more part of the bar, um, particularly with Woody being new. And I'm remembering, I guess it's the second episode when Woody is kind of mopey, not mopey, but he's not, you know, spending any time with anybody. And Diane is concerned because they're young women that are like interested in going out with him and he's not interested mm-hmm. and so forth. And I think, I think it's this one. And they're at, like, she's talking to him about his problems. And she's like, we at Cheers always share our problems, you know? And so she's talking like she's more a part of mm-hmm. the gang. Um, and it seems like through the episodes, she has more of that like down-to-earth, wry sense of humor, like, at least more so than she did in previous episodes. So, and I like that. I really like that. Um, I like that she was the ringer in From Here to Eternity. That was kind of fun. And I think that that just shows you know a way in which she's fitting in. Um, and then there were you know, times at the end of the season, there were these issues about her fitting in, like in suspicion when she's waiting for them to get revenge on her because she wants to feel like she's one of the, the gang, mm-hmm. you know. And then, of course, Diane Chambers Day when she doesn't feel like she's part of the gang. And then they take her to the opera and so forth. And then, um, what was it? I think there's a teaser in Take My Shirt, Please, when she comes in and nobody greets her. And she talks about how everybody greets Norman yeah. when he comes in. And so she tries again and they all say Norm. Mm-hmm. And she's know. like, that's better, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's that was better, a good yeah. one. So there were some exceptions where she was sort of like attending to maybe not fitting in as well as she wanted to. But I do think on the whole, at least through the, most of the season, that she was more part of the spirit of the bar than she had mm. been in the past. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I, I do. I And and I think we mentioned this maybe in an episode or maybe off, but um, she, we're almost back to the season one dynamic with them a little bit with Sam and Diane. They're not in a relationship, mm-hmm. but they're not on bad terms. They're a little more friendly. Yeah. And I like that because some of that tension and yes. angst is not present for most of the episodes. I like that they have banter and it's not always like just right. bitter relationship exactly. banter. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and it makes it more... I mean, there are definitely there are episodes that focus on them, but it makes it more of an ensemble, mm-hmm. I think, in a way yeah. that I like. Yeah. All right, so our next section is Emmy history and trivia. Yes. I believe you have some information. I do. Thank you for indulging me. <laughs> of course. No, so, yeah, we haven't talked about this on previous season recaps, so I'm just going to briefly recap. Um, so Cheers had pretty low ratings its first year, was nearly canceled, but... One thing that led to um, maybe not its renewal, but its its continued climb in the ratings was that it won Outstanding Comedy Series in 1983 after its first season, which is especially back then, probably when there were so many different kinds of shows on, you know, network TV was your only option. We didn't have streaming. We didn't have HBO. We only had the big three mm-hmm. networks at that time. So um, that was a pretty big, a big um, claim to fame for that. And uh, mm-hmm. Shelley Long won uh, for her work in season one. Outstanding lead actress, they won for outstanding writing and outstanding directing. Uh, it won outstanding comedy series again in '84 for its second season, basically. Um, and then this kind of starts the stretch where Rhea Perlman's going to win um, several years in a row. <laughs> so she won outstanding supporting actress for season two, season three, and season four. So 86 for, for this current season. Um, mm-hmm. She was the only talent win, meaning about the actors for this season. Um, but all okay. of the main players of this season were nominated with the exception of Woody Harrelson and um, 
Kelsey Grammer. And prior to the season, every every original cast member had been nominated in their category. Nicholas Colasanto was nominated in 1984 for his final season. So all the original actors from season one have the regulars have mm-hmm. been nominated up to this point. Um, like in some season yes, or another. Yes, in some other. season or another. So okay. Ted Danson, Shelley Long were nominated this season. John Ratzenberger and George Went were as well. The only one to actually win was Rhea Perlman. Um, mm-hmm. The show was nominated as Outstanding Comedy Series, but lost to The Golden Girls, which I think had just premiered. So, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That sounds right. So um, that's pretty much a quick rundown. Um the show will win 28 Emmys over its 11-season run, which is a pretty impressive number. And uh, that's right behind the Mary Tyler Moore show, which won 29 Emmys. Um, and it was kind of like a neck-and-neck race mm-hmm. up until the end. But one thing you and I talked about before we started recording was um, whether that record has been bested since. And it's it has. Um, obviously, there have been newer shows. One interesting note is the spinoff Frasier um, one like, I don't know, 34, 35 Emmys. So, I mean, it, it had a good run in the 90s there. So that record has been topped, but it still holds when you look at the overall number of uh-huh. shows and what, you know, the number of Emmys they've won. It's still up in the top 10, right. definitely. I wonder if their nomination, number of nominations is still... It's it's a high up number because they were, that's like 117 yeah. overall nominations. And um, yeah, I think that number still holds fairly high. I don't know if it's, I don't think it's number one, but it's certainly very high. Um, so it still holds as a, as a classic in all the obvious ways. And, and you know, the thing with the Emmy Awards, I mean, uh, you and I have talked about this too because we're kind of nerds for that kind of stuff. I used to be obsessed with Emmy trivia, yeah. TV trivia, even shows I've never seen. I know if they want Emmys or not. It's oh, just yeah. one of those things. And I, I definitely don't follow it as closely as I do now for a, a variety of reasons. But I always enjoy looking back, especially in this time when it was network TV. You know, you, you had you had fewer options. You know, you couldn't just stream something on Netflix mm-hmm. or turn on HBO or a, another. It was it was these shows, you know, that you watched when they premiered or you caught in reruns or you recorded off a of TV, you know. Um, and so I think in a way there was more prestige back then. You know what I mean? Not, not to say they aren't making yes. good shows, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm getting on a tangent here in my soapbox. <laughs> not to say there aren't good shows. There are absolutely great shows that are still being made. But I think it was different back then because, you know, you, it was not unusual for you to have 20 million people to tune in for a weekly episode. You can't get those numbers today. And if you do, it's, it's like a huge right. televised event. So, um Anyway, all that to say, it, it, it's, it, it has a lot of great Emmy stories and years in the, in the coming um, seasons that we'll be able to talk about. Um, Ted Danson is nominated like every season for the entire run mm-hmm. and finally will win toward the end. You know he yeah. wins. But it, he, has a, he has a Susan Lucci run where he that. never, he goes several times and, and without winning. And so um, I... We're going to dive yeah. into those, I think, as we go year by year to kind of recap. And and it's interesting, too, because sometimes you can actually find out what actors won for what episodes and what, you know, best writing was for this episode and different things like that as well. So, yeah, that's always fun, too, to be able to attach it to mm-hmm. the episode. Absolutely. You know, we are going to move to our pinnacle category, which is the best yes. or favorite 
of season four. This was hard. There's so, I mean, there's several. You really had to whittle it down. Like I said about the bottom three, the top three was even harder because it's like, there's so many moments as we've been talking, you know, that stand out, but it's like, what, yeah. what episode would you return to time and again as a, as a favorite, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I have, I, I whittled mine down to three with an honorable okay. mention. So I've got those. But would you like to start or would you like sure, to start? I will start. These are ranked. I ranked them for you. <laughs> okay. Oh, good. So number three of the season for me would be Don Juan is Hell. I just really enjoyed this. I, you know, a theme that's recurred throughout the whole series is, you know, not Diane versus Sam in, in terms of character, but intellectual academic versus working class, you know, common sense kind of thing. And you kind of have that again here, mm-hmm. right? You have, you know, Sam's sex life <laughs> put under like this, this academic right. microscope. I, there, there's a good line. I can't remember, but he's reading the title of her paper and, 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 and it's got, you know, all this academic verbiage. And he said, she's made my sex life boring, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The title. Exactly. Right. And then when he actually hears what her, you know, views on him are, and he's kind of, it, it alternates between being very fun and and as you said earlier talking about Sam's arc very poignant too when he kind of has that realization of what his mm-hmm. life has been he's been a church a skirt chaser you know most of his life and what does that mean for him now it's his future and all that so I just really enjoyed this episode I thought it it, it was very smartly written and just a lot of fun I agree I, I agree with that and I like the professor character too I think he sort of fits that mold of other academics Mm -hmm. you know professors that are good natured but perhaps a little bit just I don't know like not in the real world Mm -hmm. (laughs) that we've seen on Cheers he reminds me of the um the the theater critic I guess that came to the play Othello in season (laughs) two that was like a Desdemona that fights back you know that professor like this one's like he's just overwhelmed with the story of Trevor and how could somebody be like that you know so I thought that he was a fun addition but yeah, it is. It's a really good episode. I picked, and this is more a favorite. I would say Don Juan as Hell is probably, like, if I had to look at it completely objectively, it's the better episode. But for my third favorite, I put Fools mm. in Their Money. And again, this is the one, mentioned a couple times already, but this is the one in which Woody, after repeated success in the football betting pool, decides to wager $1,000 with Sam's bookie. And he wins. And Sam never plays the bet. He's trying to conceal this from Woody because he was trying to protect Woody. And you kind of see Sam come into place as wanting to be sort of the father figure that Coach was to him by protecting him. And he says it worked out about as well, which scares the hell out of him, you know. So there's that kind of changing of the guard or, you know, the characters, I think, that's more over in this episode. So I like that Mm -hmm. aspect of it. And then it gets into that kind of drama in the office when Woody talks about like, well, you could give me your car, (laughs) you know, and it creates this tension between them. (laughs) And then there was the part when Woody is mad at Sam and yelling at him. And then he's like, I'm going to pack my bags and leave. Like, well, you know, I yelled at you and you're my boss. I can't stick around. (laughs) (laughs) So there's just, you always humor punctuating the the pathos Mm -hmm. of it. But I think that there's a lot of like humor and pathos. And I mentioned the scene of Woody telling Diane about how his mother's dream was to be a drummer in a power trio. And that was just so surprising, given what, we, given what we've heard about Woody's family and life before right. this. You know, I thought that that was a funny addition. I just, I really like it. And I love them singing Home on the Range at the end together and the bar mm-hmm. joining in. Um, it's probably my favorite part. There was also that subplot of Fraser being in a mood to critique Diane's grammar and diction and so forth that I thought... 
it, it wasn't necessarily necessary for the overall episode, but there was a point when I thought it was very funny because it's when they're trying to counsel Woody early on on not placing this big bet and Sam's trying to talk him out of it and Frazier's like, I have something to say. And Sam's like, okay, good. You know, he thinks that Frazier is going to have something sensible and intelligent to say. And he's like, do you all realize that in the course of the evening, Diane has made this many errors of grammar and <laughs> fact and such and such, you know, he mm-hmm. just can't let it go. So I thought that that was a you know, fun sure. addition too, but I, I, I really like it. I think it's a warm, humorous episode and it's kind of a good showcase for Sam and Woody. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would like to say, too, unless you don't want me to, I, I, I have a, a couple ideas on what your top two might be. So I, I'm going to be oh, interested to okay. see if sure I, I think I feel pretty yeah. strongly that I know one of them. But anyway. Yeah. Um, all right. My second okay. interesting pick is um, second time mm-hmm. around. Um, I just I, oh, okay. I just thought it was a really, really enjoyable episode. And the biggest reason is Jennifer Tilly. I think she plays that character so well. That's kind of her type if you've seen mm-hmm. her in any other roles. Um, but just the fact that Frasier and her would end up together and that she would actually kind yeah. of like him. You know, uh-huh. I, I just I really enjoyed the, the juxtaposition of the two of them, how very different they are and how he's kind of mm-hmm. just a, I- insistent on being this fun guy right you know and how he's like how he insists on right. transforming himself into someone who would go for someone like her you know what i mean and and everything so yeah. I, it's just her performance she has they have some great lines some great interaction with each other um so that that does it for me for that episode <laughs> yeah i like her i mean we talked about her for the guest stars but i think you know when who was it? Diane or somebody or Frazier said something about her being a strumpet and Sam kind of came to her defense. He's like, she's not a strumpet, mm-hmm. you know, and he's already talked about how much she likes like men. Like she hasn't met a man she didn't like, or, you know, he doesn't say that, but it's right. something along those lines, but it's kind of, it's almost in an innocent way. It's not in the right. way that you would think Sam would speak about one of his, you know, a woman that he knows necessarily, but the fact that she turns out to be this kind of, I mean, she's very, very flirty, but it's not necessarily in a, grossly right. sexual way you know i just think she's a delightful mm-hmm. character she, too she's so yeah all fun. of that is it's kind of she's refreshing. a lot of fun and she mm-hmm. just wants to have fun and i think she's also pretty sincere you know i don't think she has yeah. any ulterior yeah. motives here what you see is what you get with her um and that's no i was just gonna say and that's very different from someone typically like frazier someone who is a psychiatrist and an academic and an intellectual and all these other things and then it's just her and she's just like you know what you see is what you get and just she, yeah. she says something to him like you know i just i thought you would be some guy to who would be fun right you know just go have, have some, some laughs, laughs. exactly yeah. so yeah and we don't, doesn't he say that he got so tired of thinking and dating at the yeah, same time? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Wasn't that like one of his lines? And we also have, I'm just remembering this now, isn't this when we also have the, um, the bit of Woody playing heart and soul for the wedding yeah. music? And that's all he knows is like different <laughs> yeah, tempos. That's right? <laughs> that was a good addition, too. Yeah. That's a good choice. Okay, so my second one is From Beer mm-hmm. to Eternity. And I think some of it is just that it's kind of a classic episode, but it's just the camaraderie of it. You know, the whole thing is that Cheers loses every sporting contest to Gary's Old Town Tavern. And they come in after this softball defeat. And Carla suggests, you know, after a while, she suggests they try bowling. And they have their tryouts. And they discover that Woody, after this, they have this team they've put together. And there's a line in there. I, can't, I didn't write it down, but it's Sam's like, all right, let's try to go out there and not make fools of or not embarrass ourselves. <laughs> And Norm is like, ladies and gentlemen, Newt Rockney. Right, right. <laughs> you know, so they're all depressed about it. Um, 
Somewhere in there, they discovered that Woody was an accomplished bowler, but he had had this bowling accident years before where he maimed um, somebody. And even that was darkly humorous because I talked about how the guy was um, had been a janitor and then now he's a children a clown at children's birthday parties. And Sam's like, well, there's nothing wrong with that. And Woody's like, he wasn't invited to them. You know? <laughs> so they even kind of have some mm-hmm. laughs around that, which I, I enjoy. I enjoy that when they can get a little bit of dark humor in there. And then the whole scene at the bowling alley when Woody shows up to help them and can't do it. I thought that was very sweet when Sam, you know, kind of lets him off mm-hmm, the hook and mm-hmm. so forth. And then I mentioned before, like, Diane turns out to be the ringer. You know, I thought that that was a great twist. And yet they did it in a way that made sense, that she would have had to spend all of this time bowling in college in order to get a PE <laughs> credit and the reasons why she did that. I was like, that makes perfect right. sense for her character. Yeah. And, you know, it made her a part of the bar even more, I mm-hmm. thought. They're all excited that she has been the one that has led them to victory. So I I like that episode a lot. I like that it's one story and that the entire gang is involved in it, too. I tend to like episodes that have that, like everybody's Mm -hmm. all in on one thing. Yeah, Yeah, that's a great episode. Great episode. All right. Mm -hmm. My number one. My number one. This one, this was pretty easy when I actually ranked and and thought what it was. Um, My number one favorite episode of this season is I'll Gladly Pay You Tuesday. Um, Ah. And the the biggest by far, there's some great lines in it. We've alluded to it a couple of times. Yeah. I, you know, I I love their literary jokes, literary references. And this is one Mm -hmm. big one. Any episode where a book... (laughs) is like a major plot point is probably going to do that for me. Um, just I'm a huge yeah. reader and I love to read and book talk and all that sort of stuff. Big old nerd. So this episode was right up my alley yeah. with, with the Hemingway novel and everything. Yeah. Um, just thoroughly enjoyable. I thought from start to finish, I like the whole idea that Diane is asking for Sam to loan her the money for this book. He's entrusted with it and it becomes interested almost he he becomes engrossed in the novel he's not a reader at all and he gets engrossed with it and ultimately gets it gets it ruined and i just liked how much fun it was yeah. all all throughout and um i thought that uh sam and diane played real well off of each other their dynamic in particular this episode um so just everything mm-hmm. about it but i'd say a big literary ball you know <laughs> for me so I think I, I agree. I like it a lot too. And I think that this, this sort of the storyline they get going in the midst of that with Carla constantly provoking Sam about Diane spending money on yes, other things. That's good too. Kind of adds mm-hmm. to it as well. Yep. You know? Yep. Yeah. That is a good one. It's definitely a good one. Would you allow. Um, I'm sorry. I mean, no, no, no. And of course, like I already brought up the line about like the sun yes. also rises. Boy, that's. Oh, I laughed so hard at that one. I mean, it's true. It's, yeah. you know, that that's the title and. It for someone right. who's, you know, just seems kind of the outsider there, right? Commenting on what, you know, why would you spend five hundred dollars on a book? I don't know if he expressly says that, but, book about right? The exactly. Sun just that whole, yeah. I don't know, that whole thing and how 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 ruined that book is. I mean, I I actually cringed when I saw that, and I thought, you know, mm-hmm. he dropped the the book in the bathtub. I have done that before, so I know what happens there. It's, in his yeah. description of that too, like when he's like finding out whatever would happen to this uh, character, you know, and yeah. he dropped the book in the bathtub. Exactly. He's like, and now I touched it, and yes. now it's fat. It's great. It's great. Um, <laughs> that was good. So yeah. I, if you don't mind, um, I have a, I have a, mm. a strong hunch what your number one is going to be. Yeah, I bet you can, can I guess, guess it. It's very obvious. Oh please, is it Diane's nightmare? <laughs> it sure is. 
I think that I've been pretty I've been announcing that <laughs> no, I, <laughs> throughout sure the entire season. I love that one. I, I adore it. I love it. Like really from the beginning until the end, um, there's not much to complain about in it. You know, and it, I would say overall in the early, like the first half of Cheers, it's probably ah, maybe my second favorite episode of the first half mm-hmm. of the show. So it's definitely like probably my favorite episode yeah. thus far. And there've been some great ones that would definitely be, mm-hmm. you know, toward the top. But I, I, you know, as we, as I said, when we recorded it, I love the sort of surrealish Halloween mm-hmm. episode. I like the characters. I like all of the part in the office scene with Sam, you know, being this sort of aesthete, you know, this erudite <laughs> person quoting, what is it like Shakespeare? Yeah. And he's working mm-hmm. on a, not a symphony, but he's working on like a musical score that he wants Diane to hear. And he pulls the tea out and the tea is already <laughs> steaming from the day. So it's just, it doesn't right. make sense, but it's exactly. very dreamlike, which I also love, you know. And then they also have these things that you can kind of wonder about, like who is Diane thinking in this dream that Sam is? And I like that it's a dream yes. within a dream. You know, I think some people think that that's a kind of a cheesy plot contrivance, but I like the way mm-hmm. that it was done. I love the teaser with the great horn Mjern and the way they come back around to the word game at the end. I, you know, every character is kind of involved in it. Woody has some great bits about giving the, when Andy Andy wants the money from the cash store and he's asking how much they took in, I think, and Woody is, Sam's just like, oh, just a few hundred. And Woody's like, oh, there must be a thousand in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just like playing along yeah. too hard, you know. I just, I love it. I love every bit of it. It's a lot of fun. There's so many layers to it. Um, and it yeah. is a very... And the storm, the way they all disappear down into the basement yes, one by one, yeah. you know, that's fun. That's really fun, I think, And it's like think, the too. most different episode we've had to this point, right? It's just so experimental mm-hmm. from, the, from the get-go. I like Maybe that, not too. Maybe the teaser, but, you know, when they, you know, the storm and they go down. I mean, it, you, you just, you know you're in for something different. Um, there's a great line, too. Uh, I should have put this earlier. Uh, Frazier has a one-off line about, he describes Andy Andy as that homicidal cherub. <laughs> And I love yes. it because that's just, yeah. that's a perfect description of what he is, I think, how he looks and everything. Yep. I feel like I could watch it over and over and probably pick up a new detail right. every time, right. you know, because it's almost like aspects of it that are almost like watching an old fashioned movie mm-hmm. at the beginning. I don't know. I just, I just yeah. love it. No, it's, it's a fantastic episode. It really <laughs> is. I mean, I, it's, yeah. it, that's, that's been the hardest part because, you know, just hearing you talk about those, you know, it, it's, it's, it's <laughs> hard to really rank it. And ultimately, as you said, it, it's not about what's objectively the best written or whatever. It's what you most personally enjoyed. You know, I, arguably mm-hmm. it's probably a better episode than I'll gladly pay you Tuesday, but it's just a matter of what do you personally identify no, you. with, you know, in right. terms of, is it structure? Is right. it writing? Is it just fun character lines? And so it's, it's fun because, and none of our picks have been the same, right? We all have different ones. Right. I know. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. That's interesting. I don't, because in the past we've had maybe one or two that mm-hmm. have overlapped on the favorites or least favorites. I don't remember exactly which ones, yeah, but we have yeah. had some, you know. What I remember now what I was going to say is when you were saying that it was experimental, I, I think I tend to like episodes that are experimental, but where the characters are in character, like they're not changed. It's not like their personalities are different or they're playing other characters. Like right. they are themselves, but they're in some just like slightly mm-hmm. different version mm-hmm. of what they usually exactly. do. I can't say enough about it. <laughs> Clearly. Well, we might need to do a minute-by-minute uh, minute recap. What, what are those kinds of podcasts where they do something by the about, minute? Oh, yeah, the... <laughs> Mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> well, like maybe like yes, pick out an episode per I don't yeah. know per season or per something exactly. and go through minute by minute. Cause I think in this yeah. one you really oh, could. That yeah, one would be, would be the, the best one to do that. I think. 
Do you have anything else, any others, or anything else that you'd like to mention about season four before we conclude, move on into the future? No, I think I, I think this might be for me the strongest season yet in terms of just how eclectic mm-hmm. and all over the place it is. But and, and I mean that in a good way because, like I said, there really aren't. You know, there's a like the three that we don't individually respond to the most but none of them are bad they're all you know they all have great lines in it at different parts great scenes and i I just think they had a lot of fun here and um i'm really enjoying Mm -hmm. it and i'm really eager to start into season five and kind of see where we where we go um well who did sam propose to number one you know that the big who shot jr cliffhanger you know that's true we didn't even talk about the cliffhanger at the end of the season in the first three-part episode when you know what i I had a thought about strange bedfellows because i i figured Mm -hmm. neither of us would probably rank that in the bottom or the top three it's a great run but it's almost like it's hard to pick just one part of that if you consolidated it into one long episode it's a great episode it's a Mm -hmm. great great storyline i really like what they do there but yeah it's harder because it is stretched out over three i i don't know if they needed to necessarily stretch it over three i think they might have been able to trim it down to two but that's whatever um but yeah we mm-hmm. we get that big cliffhanger at the end to figure out who um who he proposed to and i i wanted to i'll save this for when we start season five because we don't yet know the answer but uh there was a newspaper um back in 86 when that would have aired i guess it did a poll for viewers to, to try to figure out who they think mm-hmm. sam is proposing to and that was really interesting so yeah oh, that is interesting was this at the end? So you said it was at the end of the season or like right before it would, season like, five? Yeah, in the or? summer hiatus, I guess. They ran the poll to ask okay. the viewers, who do you think Sam has, you know, ended up proposing to? Who was on the line? And what did they um, say? What was, the most, resp- what was the response? The, the largest number of people thought it was that he was proposing to Diane. But what was funny was kind of the okay. breakdown of reasons why why Diane versus Janet Eldridge or whatever. So, oh, interesting. I'll, yeah. I'll get some of that together and share that when we start with season five. Okay. Now, was there, I have one other question. Was there anybody, was it just those two or was there like a random third choice that anybody put in? I think, I think they pretty much, yeah, it wasn't probably the most scientific It would have to, it would be unrealistic to think it was anyone outside of that, but I just didn't know if somebody had a random write-in choice. Yeah. That happens sometimes. Well, altogether, I mean, yeah, it's definitely my favorite episode that we have had so far. And I do think it's the strongest. I like that the stories are different. Like you're talking about, I think you called that out really well. They gelled as an ensemble from the beginning, but I think they like even more so just their mm-hmm. rapport and banter is growing more and more. I don't know. Cohesive. Maybe that's not the great. best word, but it's just, they're just yeah. funnier. Yeah. The chemistry <laughs> is great. I mean, yeah. in there, the show's yeah. obviously well known for, for the, the ensemble and their chemistry, but it really is. I mean, you get mm-hmm. to see that time and again with all these different episodes and plot lines, but that their chemistry, the way they all play off each other is just phenomenal. All right. Onward. That will do it for us today. You can find us on Facebook, Norm, a Cheers podcast, and on Twitter at Cheers underscore Norm. You can listen to or download old and new episodes at the usual places, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, and Spotify. Leave us a like and comment and join in on our community there. Thanks so much for listening.